is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. Now a word from our sponsors. Let's face it, your time is precious and also very limited. So you don't have time to sit in your doctor's waiting room for hours. Not to mention that situation you have needs to be addressed now and not later. Perfect Harmony Women's Health Telemedicine is just the service you need. Perfect Harmony provides women's health care without judgment. You can receive convenient, fast, excellent, and affordable care. So if you need STI testing, contraception counseling, or if you need help with those annoying vaginal infections or those pesky UTIs, Perfect Harmony has your back. Whatever you need is just a virtual visit away. Go to perfectharmonytelehealth.com and book your first appointment today and tell them Shalana sent you. Hello, happy holidays, and welcome to The Eavesdrop. I am Dr. Shalana Battle. I do hope that everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and that your holiday season is off to a magnificent start. Today, we are talking about women's sexual health with Dr. Shayama Matthews. Today, we will be discussing libido, what is normal versus what is abnormal, some common causes of a decreased sex drive, sex after menopause, and how to have better communications with our partners when it comes to the topic of sex, and so much more. One of the reasons I decided to have this conversation is because I feel that talking about sex after all of these years is still considered taboo. And because of this notion that it is forbidden for women to talk about sex and how it affects them, I wanted to create a safe space with Dr. Matthews for women to perhaps finally receive the answers and guidance to some of the concerns they may have considering their sex lives and libido. Dr. Matthews shares the same passion, and I know that you will be intrigued and enlightened by this episode. So without further ado, here is the conversation. Welcome to the Eavesdrop Podcast. Today we have Dr. Shama Matthews. She is a board-certified OBGYN, a minimally invasive gynecologic surgeon, and she is certified by the North American Menopause Society. We love our NAMS providers. <laughs> she is a certified menopause specialist, and she is passionate about helping women of all ages maintain their own quality of life while keeping up with their day-to-day needs of their families and careers. She is here today to share her knowledge about women's sexual health. And this is also a topic that we cannot talk about enough because 
it is definitely something that can affect women's health in so many different ways. And so before we get started with our conversation, I just want to give you the floor, Dr. Matthews, to talk about <laughs> yourself just a little bit more and share a little bit more with, uh, with our audience. Sure. So I'm a gynecologist. I don't practice any obstetrics. I focus my practice just on the GYN needs of women. I'm a minimally invasive GYN surgeon, so I did my fellowship training in laparoscopy and robotic surgery. I spent half my clinical time doing robotic surgery for fibroids and endometriosis and chronic pelvic pain, abnormal bleeding, cysts, that kind of thing. And then the rest of my time, I'm in the office seeing patients, not only surgical consults, but all of these other gynecologic concerns that women have. So menopause, uh, PCOS, endometriosis, um, painful intercourse, et cetera. Um, and I just took the route of focusing on GYN only just because there's so much that I feel like a woman can go through outside of just being pregnant and having babies that really does dominate a lot of our life. And I'm particularly interested in that sort of sexual health aspect of it because there's so many of these things that impact that. And I feel like it's an area of health that often gets shamed or diminished and dismissed, and we don't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, so I'd like to create a safe space to, to talk about those things and let women know that they can talk about anything they want that, that's bothering them um, when they see me. Yes, I love that. I love that you use the word safe space because sex is something that is a little taboo sometimes. And women, they may come into the office with so many concerns and they may not want to discuss it for so many different re reasons. So it is good for us as healthcare providers to really provide that open door policy for our patients when they come in to talk about different things when it concerns intimacy and then really not shy away from it. I think a lot of providers may shy away from it because they may not be as knowledgeable. So I think it is important for us to get out there and learn what it is that we need to know so that way we can become more resourceful for women when they have these types of problems. Absolutely. So, yes. So sexual health as it pertains to sex and intimacy is something that many women may have concerns about, as we just said. And for example, I see a lot of women who have concerns about libido. What are the most common questions and concerns that you usually come across from women who have questions about their sex life? Libido is a big one. Concerns about feeling like particularly in their relationships, why they aren't as interested in intimacy and sex, like they're disappointing their partners. Uh, feeling like something about them has changed, particularly as we age. There are different points in one's life where we may feel sort of more active or more sort of responsive and other times where it takes a little bit more and kind of being disappointed in that change or not understanding it and being concerned about it, what's different, et cetera. And that can often reflect on their own personal self-confidence and their personal feelings as well. So that's for sure around libido. And then given all the different conditions that I kind of focus on, I think the other big thing is pain within of course, and discomfort and you know dryness and all sorts of kind of things that are surrounding pain, which can then lead to a whole set of additional problems and issues. So I think those two things are probably the most common things I come across just with the, in the areas that I'm focused on. And whenever I come across libido, I'm often talking to women about what it is, because I think there's a really big misconception of what it is and basically... A woman's libido compared to 
a man's libido. If we're talking about heterosexual relationships, of course, um, because I feel like in some way, because we're hormonally set up differently, men may have more of a drive than women. And I think that sometimes women may try to match themselves with their partner, which we should really do. But I think that um, if we don't really compare well with our partner per se, it shouldn't really be looked at as something's physiologically wrong. And so that is something that I often come across. But I do want to talk a little bit about libido, like maybe define what it is and talk a little bit more um, about what's normal and what's abnormal when it comes to libido. Sure. So I agree. I think there is a lot of comparison and I think there is a lot of elevated expectations about how libido should be. And also like that it reflects on your level of attraction to your partner and and a lot of other things. I feel like it, it carries this sort of weight and you're right. I don't think enough people really understand what it is, particularly in female physiology libido and your ability to be aroused and for all your not only mental and psychological sort of capacity to be aroused, but also physical kind of changes that answer to that. And then how that can culminate in a climax. That whole process, I think, is incredibly complicated. And I don't think there's a lot of education around it or discussion around it. So it becomes very simplified into this on-off switch. And I think this is true for both men and women, but for women particularly, I feel like they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be kind of ready to go at a moment's notice and not taking into account that there's all these layers that need to align for us to have kind of intact libido. And that is more than just one thing. It's that whole process of physiology that happens in a moment where you're trying to we're just starting from arousal all the way to climax and then also how your body recovers. So I think even just explaining that to patients that I, I often spend, take some time talking that through when they say, yeah, I feel like my libido is low or I don't feel like I'm interested in sex anymore. We talk about what does that really mean? How are you really exploring that kind of attention? Are you paying to that? How do you prioritize that? Because all of those things can reflect on the level of libido, which I think, again, oversimplifies. Right. I so wholeheartedly agree with that. (laughs) We should look at it in a holistic way because it's very multifaceted. It can involve like your emotional, your mental status. Um, It can be a physical thing. So I definitely agree that it's important to examine every aspect of a woman's life when they come to you to discuss their libido. I agree. And I think actually, so we have that conversation when I'll talk to them about, you know, where are you, where's your headspace on this? Where's your mentally, again, how do you prioritize this? What else have you got going on in your life? What are your stressors? Because if you're distracted by your grocery list and the things you got to get done because your family's visiting this weekend and all these things you have to do for work and that email you didn't send out and X, Y, Z, you're not going to be able to start that process for that you know, that trajectory for arousal, uh, et cetera, that we call libido. And so you kind of have to create some time and space surrounding that in order to pay attention to it and then really focus on, okay, what does it entail? What does it take for me to become physically aroused, mentally in the right headspace for it, 
what's hindering me? Is it, does it have to do with, is my anatomy changing? Is my body changing? Hormonally, where am I? Am I facing struggles surrounding uh, hormone changes like in menopause that happen? And then physically as well. So I'll often say, focus on, well, is sex comfortable? Is it enjoyable? Is it painful? Is it dry? So let's talk about that too, that, that physical component, because I'm a very big believer that sex should never be painful. So if it is uncomfortable at all, your body's not going to desire that. So you're going to have to make, so that's some, sometimes a place that we'll start just, just talking about how do we get it comfortable? How do we make it enjoyable? And then from there, you know, bridge into what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Is there what kind of touch works for you? What kind mm -hmm. of other, other sensations work for you? And really spending a little time on that, even for yourself, because you can't expect your partner to be psychic. And we're all very different. Yeah. And we change. Yes. And I always say that too to my patients who are postmenopausal, because I believe that sex changes just a little bit after menopause because. Of course, the libido changes because of the hormonal changes and the body changes as well, too. But I think that communication is so important during those times when a woman is, is transitioning, because a lot of the times if your partner really doesn't know that you're going through certain things or that sex is painful, there's no way that they can adjust or have patience with you if they don't know. And so I really encourage like communication with that as well. And what are some factors that can lower a woman's sex drive or libido? We talked about vaginal dryness, but what are some other things that may lower the sex drive? So I mentioned, yes. So dryness, anything that affects comfort level, right? Um, again, we talked particularly in perimenopausal, postmenopausal women, but in other times in our life too, sometimes our bodies, our pH is off, we're prone to infections, we're prone to recurrent UTIs, sometimes UTIs after sex, things like that. If there's anything going on that seems to be triggered by intercourse, again, our body's not going to naturally want to desire that. So we're going to put up like a wall. And if sex is painful in any way because pelvic floor issues, whether it's, you know, because of the muscles being too tight or tense, or otherwise, if you're struggling with things like prolapse and leakage of urine and you're worried about the other side, right? Like that you're not able to hold your bladder. I mean, so much changes with our anatomy. So it's beyond just dryness. It's about kind of anything physical that could be going on that you're worried about how that impacts your um, ability to be intimate. But then the other side of it is where I would say, what, what else lowers it? it? It's that sort of mindset too. Like, are, again, are you are um, creating time and space for this? Are you um, confident in your body still? Do you feel like you're, you need to reassess where that is and build that up for yourself a little bit? Often I'm talking to women that, you know, it's, they're busy in their careers. They're, they've got families that they're trying to support. They've got a laundry list of things that they're trying to take care of, but they haven't really said any time to just feel special, to feel sexy or to feel like they want to be intimate because they're just not even thinking of themselves as that sexual being. And you have to create space for that too, right? So whether it's, you know, getting a massage or taking a bubble bath or going out for a run or planning to just go out for an intimate dinner, just you two. So you're not thinking about all the other things and just really focused on intimacy and the relationship, not even the physical, but even also the like psychological, the social connection. I think those things really aid in improving that. I agree with that. Now, are there any medications or health conditions that could affect libido? 
Certainly. I mean, even something as common as contraception birth control pills, right? Like, you I mean, how many women are on that of all ages? Um, that can affect your um, arousal. It can affect your lubrication, your ability to respond. I mean, all of those things that could be physical because anything that you do to manipulate hormones can sometimes have a uh, give and take there. So that is absolutely worth discussing because there could be alternatives that are better suited for you. And again, that doesn't come up unless you prioritize it and unless you bring it up as, hey, you know what? I noticed this is different. Um, antidepressant, that's a big one. Many people are on medications for that. Uh, there are other medications for other medical conditions too that can affect libido from a standpoint. So paying attention to some of those things too. When did this start? Is it related to any changes in medications and other medical conditions that you may be facing? Um, it's worth focusing on it. What are some approved products or supplements that can be used to enhance libido that you may know of? That really varies. To me, I think it's really about nailing down what's the initial issue. Um, for a lot of the time, it has to do with dryness, it has to do with friction, it has to do with pH balance. So something as simple as being able to consistently use a lubricant, a good quality lubricant that you know is going to cause irritation or cause imbalances to your pH. Finding a good product that you trust from that perspective is a sort of, should be a no-brainer. That should be basic. That should, every woman should have that accessible to them, should not be a source of shame. It should not be, a, oh, something is broke. That's why I need a lubricant. Something is wrong with me. No, I'm not. My partner doesn't think I'm attracted to them if I use a lubricant. No, it's just like any other product that you would use to, to enhance your experience, enhance your tissue. That's what lubricant is. You have it for sex. You don't want it to ever be uncomfortable. So that's that. And then if you're talking about things like from a pH standpoint, in a hormonal standpoint, there are other supplements too. So from a pH standpoint, I often will suggest something like a vaginal moisturizer that you use more regularly, not just as a lubricant, but also in general to help balance out the pH to where it really should be vaginally and to try to maintain that. And then in, in particularly postpartum patients, perimenopausal patients, menopausal patients, keying into some of that loss of estrogen and trying to replenish that. I think there's a lot of negativity around hormone therapies, but Something that should be, again, very widely broadcast is the safety of vaginal estrogen treatments, that vaginal estrogen used locally to the vaginal mucosa, to the tissue there locally, is different than hormone replacement therapy that is for the whole body, that's systemic, that you take orally or through a patch because you are really targeting that local tissue and that can be very safe, very effective, and also used for a long period of time and without any real you know, downside. So knowing that's an option is, is just important too. Yes. And I'm glad that you brought up the topic that everyone needs a lubricant because when I ask patients, do you use a lubricant? Do you have a lubricant? They look at me like I have three heads. Like I don't need a lubricant. <laughs> I'm not at that age where I need one, but I think that um, it should be applied because it can really add to um, the enjoyment and pleasure within the course. It takes away from the friction. It can avoid injury within the course. So I think it is something that every woman should have in their back pocket. And it shouldn't be looked at in a way where if I need it, I'm less than or I'm less of a woman yes. if I have to have it. And so are there any approved uh, products that you approve of or any type of lubricants that you would recommend? 
So um, that's actually got why I got involved. So there's a company called Playground. It's helloplayground.com. I'm their medical advisor. And it's one of the reasons I got involved with, um, and it's something that I do just because I want to be involved in something that, that I started a conversation with these, with these amazing women that came out with this product to really looking at what women need, what really suits our bodies, the importance of that pH balance, the importance of those tissues, the importance of focusing on pleasure and making sure that isn't a shameful topic or something that we should be ashamed of or, or shy about discussing. And this, the name was always was awesome too. When I met them, I mean, Playground just speaks to how fun it is. And that's the idea that it should be fun and enjoyable and positive. Um, and there's nothing dark or negative about it. It's just a matter of, you know, paying attention to it. So they have a wonderful line of lubricants, um, non-scented and scented. But the idea is that the products are clean. They are, they avoid any synthetic substances that would be detrimental to our tissues. It's not hormone-based. They have the condom safe product. They also have intimacy oil, which isn't condom safe, but also can add to, again, moisture and herbs and different herbal components of things that support that kind of arousal and kind of attraction and kind of play into that, not just the lubrication, but also creating that mood and intimacy, that enjoyment. So I just love how well thought out it is. You know, it's about using something that you would want to put on your skin, on your on yourself, right? Like we take so much time picking out our skin products and our hair products and all these things that we know we are unique in such ways that we need these things that are well formulated and well thought out and studied and looked at. And that's exactly how they thought about these products. So that's very different than what's been available for a long time. So I just thought that was really cool that that's they, they really focused on that. Yes. Now, this is an interesting question, and I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> so now, just recently, we had the reversal of Roe versus Wade, and I'm sure it has, you've seen how it has affected women nationwide. I've seen, as a women's health care provider, I've seen how it has caused a little bit of anxiety in women. Um, how do you think that this will affect positive conversations around women's sexual health? Like how would this affect sexual health for women worldwide? So I think the issues with with the changes surrounding Roe v. Wade and the whole ripple effect that's happened throughout the country is that it's limiting access and options. I think it's pigeonholing women's health into abortion care, which would Let's not even get into that, but you're pigeonholing everything that counts towards women's health, whether it's contraception, STD prevention, if it's sexual health and wellness, cancer prevention, screening guidelines, so many other things where you want women to have access to a provider, regardless of insurance coverage, regardless of income, et cetera, that they have access to well-educated and knowledgeable providers without having to travel absurd distances and take off time from work and away from their families or whatever, making it accessible so that you can get to those things because it meets so many needs for women and women's health in general. And I think that is the issue. It's one thing for that to have happened and then say, oh no, well, we're going to set up all these clinics and provide funding and allow access so women can get all the other care that they deserve and need. That didn't happen. 
So what we ended up having are these huge deserts of healthcare for women specifically, which is what I think is the hardest part to take of this is that it is gender biased to a T, right? Like it is not impacting men's access to care. It is only impacting women's access to care. So to me, that is the biggest pain surrounding that for me. It still gets me emotional to talk and think about it because it's just to me this it was a start of this incredibly slippery slope of, you know, just disappearance of, of care for women and women's health. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a sign of a much bigger issue um, of where we prioritize uh, people here. Right. And they were talking about at one point after they reversed Roe Ro v. Wade of getting rid of birth control. So it's kind of like, <laughs> what are we doing here? And I felt like when we talk about sexual health and intimacy with, with partners, it becomes a big issue and a big stress that you add in the bedroom with individuals. Because now you have to worry about accidentally getting pregnant and having your choices taken away. So I think it is an added stress, can affect sexual health as well and sure. with partners. Like for instance, I had a patient before who came to see me and we talked about libido and I talked to her about her libido long enough to find out that her whole thing was fear of getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. She wasn't on a birth control method. She didn't want to be on a birth control method, but she and her partner were together and she did not want to get pregnant. And so her whole thing was during intimacy that was on her mind the whole time. Right. I don't want to get pregnant. And so it took away the satisfaction. It took away the enjoyment. Now sure. you add that to other couples, thousands of couples now who, who may be affected <laughs> by this change. <laughs> it, it may end up being the same way for thousands of, of couples. Yeah. You know, so it's just. I'll take it one step further than that even. Yeah. You know, here you are taking away options for women from a contraception standpoint, mm -hmm. access to care standpoint, worry about infection, worry about pregnancy. What are your taking away options for women surrounding sexual health? And you're basically saying that I don't expect women to be sexual beings. Right. Like sex is not for enjoyment. Sex mm -hmm. is not for pleasure. It should just be for what? Procreation. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like you're really <laughs> then now like let's rewind back to I don't know how many centuries ago where it was just that this is all a woman from a sexual standpoint that should be the only reason she's thinking about or considering or wanting to have sex that it has nothing to do with you mm -hmm. know um that it has nothing to do with enjoyment your sexuality your sexual you know self and your intimacy and your desire to be a sexual being like that should not be anything that's prioritized for um, celebrated or anything that's taken positive, right? Like it's something that's all now again, putting it in the dark, shaming it, making it a negative thing, mm -hmm. et cetera. And that is what kills me about it too. <laughs> yeah. It is something that I feel like we can go on and on and on all night <laughs> about because it, I feel as passionate as you do about it because I, I see personally how it's affecting women and it's affecting families, yeah. you know? So 
But um, but yeah, so now the next question is, do you have an inspirational quote, book, or life story that has guided your professional career or life? Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a big one. So my favorite book, and I think it has guided my life at different points. I think I actually mentioned this on a, on a different podcast interview too. I really love The Alchemist by Paul Coelho, and I think a lot of people do. And they mm-hmm. talk about it and they know this book. And so the book has nothing to do with medicine. This has nothing to do with my life per se. But I just love its philosophy on how the universe guides you and puts things in your path that you sometimes don't expect and sometimes are striving for. Mm-hmm. But how you approach them and how you um, navigate those things and your mindset when you approach them really can help shape your life. And I've read it many times. Like I first was introduced to it in high school. It was actually a gift to my mom when she graduated from her master's becoming a nurse practitioner uh, from a colleague. And I was in high school at the time. I picked it up and I read it and I loved it. And it was right when I was interviewing for college. And so I was deciding I wanted to be going to medicine and, you know, picking my career, my, you know, educational path to, to allow that for that to happen. And I read it again several times in college, in med school, in residency, in fellowship. And to me, it was always like a, just a reminder because it wasn't necessarily a straightforward path for decisions that came to get me here, but you take everything for what it is and, and learning process that it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think I'm going to get that information from you for the book because I would love to read that because I agree, life is never really linear. We make plans, but we may have a lot of zigzags, a lot of things that we have to cross over before we actually get to that final destination of our goal. Yeah. And, um, And that's okay because I think that's what builds us as individuals. That's what really gets us prepared for that end goal too. And um, I think that is an awesome book. And I think I will be. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Now, how can others continue to follow you and learn more about your practice, more about the product that you mentioned earlier, the lubricant? Yeah. So um, you can play around. Yeah. So you can find me um, on my website. It's Dr. Matthews, D-R Matthews, G-Y-N.com. That's my Instagram handle as well, uh, Dr. Matthews, G-Y-N. And Hello Playground, that's their Instagram handle. And then uh, www.helloplayground.com is their website. And there's actually a section called uh, Office Hours with Dr. Shama where you can actually submit questions about vaginal health, sexual health, intimacy, et cetera, that I'll be able to answer along the way. There's already a lot of articles and kind of blog posts and, and, and information there if anyone's interested. Okay, awesome. And I will definitely have all this information in the show notes for easy access. And again, I would like to thank you for being here and just taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the eavesdrop to share your knowledge. This was very enlightening and I'm sure that all my listeners have gained something from this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful to speak with you again, Shalana. Okay, thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to the Eavesdrop Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I pray that you learned something new. Be sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please consider rating the show. Rating the show will make it more visible to women who may need to hear this information. Also, share the podcast with your friends and family. Keep in touch with the podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You may reach out to me at drshalanavattle at gmail.com for any questions, concerns, or if you want to suggest a show topic. Well, until the next episode, be well, be whole, and be blessed. Bye.